uh, he just gave me, he didn't give me an hour. He gave me half an hour. Okay. And my first meeting and I was shivering. <laughs> I had no idea what I'm going to talk about. And he's posing me with questions. Like he's asking me questions. Welcome back to Young Smart Money. My name's Apple Kreider and I'm your host. A lot of us have heard about the so-called 18-year-old entrepreneur, somebody who goes out from a young age and makes a lot of money very quickly. And prior to meeting Pavan, I hadn't really met somebody who was still that young in the game who had been doing so many big things. Now, I met Pavan at an entrepreneurship competition uh, over in Milwaukee a couple months ago, and we sort of hit it off. We got to know each other, and I was really, really intrigued by the business that he was working on and all the past experiences that he's had. So we actually ended up selling his first, kind of his second business for over $80,000. And we're going to get all into that story, all into all of the things that he's been up to. And he's a really cool guy, so I'm really excited to get into this conversation. Before we do, if you guys haven't yet left a review on iTunes for Young Smart Money, please do consider doing so. They really do help us get the show in front of more people, but also to get more amazing guests like Pavan on the show. Thanks for listening, enjoy the show. Pavan, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good, I'm glad to be here. Thank awesome. you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. I haven't actually had a student on the show before, but I think it's going to be a really cool uh, perspective shift because a lot of our listeners are on the younger side. So, so getting that student perspective from somebody other than myself, I think is going to be really, really valuable. So Pavan, could you give our listeners a brief intro into what you're currently working on right now? Because we personally met at sort of an entrepreneurship competition a couple months ago over in Milwaukee where you're going to school. Um, so can you first fill our listeners in on what you were doing at that competition? Sounds good. Um, so uh, should, should I start with why I got into the comp competition or should I tell you what, what am I doing right now? Um, let's just start with like what the competition even was. Okay, so Entrepreneurs Organization was, it's a student competition where they were trying to bring in uh, student entrepreneurs uh, mm -hmm. and see how they're scaling up and what's the situation in Wisconsin like. Mm. And really it's just, um, so I started as a I went to the Commons, which is like a Milwaukee-based student incubator, okay. and I was I was working on a financial startup at mm -hmm. that time, and I presented a business model to Northwestern Mutual, okay. which they really appreciated, they liked it, and they asked me to come on board, and I exited from the company after selling it for like over $90,000. Wow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down for a second. All right. So yeah. you brought them a business model, and you sold it for like 90 Gs. Let's, let's, let's rewind a second. So first of all, what are you even talking about like with a business model? So you brought them like an idea for something they could start using, or, or what did that look like? I presented them with a business case where okay. I just gave them an opportunity to expand their market, to go into a new anger younger customer base because they were trying to attract younger pool yeah but they were unable to do it but with my model i kind of tried to create a bridge between institutions between the university and financial institutions to create that uh smooth transition to make them their clients wow. which they they liked it and they asked me to come on board and implement it but uh, i've had some issues but the 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 that's one of the ways i ended up in entrepreneurs organization someone from northwest mutual actually referred me to entrepreneurs organization. And then he kind of knew that I was working on a different business at that time because I, I collaborated with my colleagues at mm -hmm. Northwestern Mutual, brought them on to my team, and then I asked them to work on a different uh, business model. So he was kind of aware of that. I'm very, very grateful for him to refer me to entrepreneurs organization. And then 
I don't remember her name, but someone reached out from Entrepreneurs Organization to me to ask and asked me if I would like to present or participate in the competition. Mm. And that's how I ended up there. And I saw wow. you. So, so going back to this business model for a second, like, so I, I'm still caught up on that because like making 90 G's as, as what, how old are you right now? 20. You're 20 years old. So this was yep. like, even when you were like 19. I am. Um, yeah, I was, I just turned 20. Wow. That's, that's wild. So making, I mean, yeah, most of the people listening to this, they're not going to be making 90 G's at, at 20 years old. Uh, so, so let's just break that down a little bit more. So you, you came up with this idea for how they could attract a younger market to their insurance company and you like pitched that to them or how did they even hear about you? So, um, a very good friend of mine, Joe, he's actually, he's, he's the one who co-founded the commons where they create this, uh, entrepreneurship culture within the students. Okay. to create opportunities for themselves to create businesses. And he asked, he, he was actually, he asked me to come because that was their inaugural collaboration with Northwestern Mutual. Mm. I think they were working for the first time for like 36 hours straight. Wow. Without a break. And <laughs> he kind of knew that I was working on a financial institution startup. And he said, this is a great chance for you to connect with industry experts and to expand your market or, you know what yeah. I mean? To yeah, scale up. Good opportunity, yeah. And I was kind of, I took the opportunity and I told them I'm, I'm down. And I just, the funny story is I, I actually had a conflict that time. I was with school and I was part of the student startup challenge over here. And I couldn't make it at that time. Oh. It was the same time. <laughs> but um, while I was at, in school and the event, I was there for like till 1 p.m. Okay. And the Commons event started at 8 a.m. So I missed half of it like half of it. Um, but Joe is kind of uh, kind enough to still let me through. And he put me with a team of five other great individuals. So I wouldn't have made it, but it was all last minute. Like I didn't even expect I, would, I was going to go there. Wow. And I went there and I worked with this team and I started telling them my ideas and we started working with Business Model Canvas to give a complete holistic view about how is how is this feasible? Can we build sure. this technology? Or is it going to take a lot of uh, talent to do this? Is it going to take a lot of time to do this? And do we have the money to do it? Mm -hmm. And we've done a complete holistic analysis and we presented that to Northwestern Mutual. And wow. they, well, I think we were lucky enough because <laughs> <laughs> we, first of all, we need luck too to yeah. win that competition. And then we won it. They liked it. And I went on to work with Northwestern Mutual to implement this. So and I, yeah, please. Oh, I was just gonna say, what does that even mean to like implement it? So you like, they, they brought you on as like a, a contractor to go in and like, like hire, like not really hire people, but like manage people. Yeah. They got me on to manage six people from the company. Wow. And I was 20 years old and I was yeah. managing these people who are like much older than me. <laughs> <laughs> and that must've been a weird experience. It is crazy. At the same time, it was also very hard for me because they looked at me as a, like kid, a kid. Yeah. And they were kind of not ready to take orders from me, but <laughs> I've learned a great deal. And it's, it's a huge experience for me working with people who are in, who were there for like years, for yeah. decades. At the same time, I started my job managing those people. That's my first job ever. Wow. I've never worked anywhere else, like not even a coffee place, nowhere. <laughs> and I, the first job I land, I was managing a team who are older than me. That's unreal. So, yeah. It's been very, 
challenging at the same time fulfilling all right so you're working with this team of six and then do you like work with them to like implement it and then you're just done did they like pay you like 90 g's to come in and just like consult for a while or or what did that look like yes uh when i say i exited because i didn't even look at this perspective before because i always thought i was working for northwestern mutual oh okay but um but i went into the organization and uh, they extended me an offer to stay on Mm -hmm. i told them like I'm not gonna work if the team that if the team I'm working with is the one I select. Mm. And this was when I was 20, and then they didn't agree with it, um, so I quit. I came out of the organization, and I was talking to one of my mentors, saying, "Oh, this, these are the challenges," and you know, in the end, I gave up my IP, uh, mm. my intellectual property, yeah. and then um, and then he was like, "Okay, think of it this way: you exited your first business." By making twenty five thousand to each of your members, you accumulate it. That's like more than eighty five k. Wow! You exited it. So, doing you led a team. So that's why I shifted my perspective to present it in a way that I exited. Because literally, I did. I, I exited the business. Yeah. Even though, because I'm not their employee, I no. just got on there to implement this business. So, I worked with Inagro Cream City Labs. Wow. That is wacky, dude. That is that is a wild, wild experience for somebody that's only twenty years old. So, so that being said, like, how did you get involved with entrepreneurship to begin with? Because I'm assuming this wasn't like the first thing you ever did was just like go to this event, create a <coughs> business model, and sell it. So, like, where where did that entrepreneurial spark get started? And like, what was your early, early upbringing like? So, um, when I was fifteen, this was fifteen, and okay. I'm. Yeah. I want the users to know I'm from India. So okay. um, I had this, I had to make a decision about where I was going to go to college. Mm. And as I mentioned in the entrepreneurs organization too, because there was this formula that is a successful formula for Indians to go okay. to this particular schools. And then they just assume you're automatically successful after you get out of the school. Huh. But then I didn't like that method and I chose to do something different and think, that's where I kind of showed my first entrepreneurial mindset mm-hmm. because I wasn't ready to do something very regular and success mantra. Yeah. I, was, I was daring, I was willing to try something different. I dared to try something different. And I chose to go to the UK to do my high school mm. when I was 15. Wow. And I went to South London to pursue my high school. And after two years, I wanted to change again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another... Um, I think these, these qualities added up when I came to the U.S. and I was looking at this culture, how people are willing to take risks, create opportunities, create new businesses, create solutions, yeah. and create value to customers in a different way. And it all worked out well because I felt like I belonged here. So that's when I started looking into entrepreneurship because I kind of knew that I was going to go for a business background, even though I started as a computer science major. Hmm. Um, so I moved from computer science to ITM. And, what does that stand for? Uh, IT management. Oh, okay. So that's like a shift when I realized computer science is not for me because I wasn't willing to spend hours sitting in front of a computer and coding. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, I was more interested in how to create value to a consumer, how to create uh, new business solutions, how to create new ways to provide a certain value. Hmm. And... This happened when I was alone because take my words, take my word on this. You Mm -hmm. know about yourself when you're alone. Yeah. hundred percent. 
So I was I used to live alone when I first got here in Brookfield. Mm. Uh, I wasn't really I, I used to go to UWM, but I lived so far it's like thirty minutes away from UWM mm-hmm. alone without my friends were all near UWM, and I was kind of during the weekends I used to go there, but you know I used to spend majority of time with myself. And I started looking into myself intrinsically instead of externally. I looked into myself internally and I realized this is what I want to do. That's when I started entrepreneurship and I started ideating. I, yeah, that's where, that's how I started. Wow. Journey. Yeah. You got a bunch of different perspectives traveling around. You got India, you got the UK, you got the U S. So that's a very interesting sort of place to come from and all those different ideas to get at, at such a young age. And real quick for our listeners that aren't familiar with UWM, uh, that's just University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Um, so if you guys aren't from like the, the Midwest, you might not understand what we're referring to, but that's just, uh, it's one of the bigger schools over here in, in Wisconsin. So that's, that's really wild. And one thing that I'm, that I'm very interested in with, with your story is, is like, what, what came next? So like now that you were at, uh, now that you were in Milwaukee, living in Brookfield, when did you like start working on, on your first project or like when did you first get introduced to the entrepreneurial community in, in Milwaukee? Right. Um, so I was reading articles about how do I get started as an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I was trying to learn stuff cause I didn't know anything. I know I belonged here, Yeah. but I didn't know anything. So sure. obviously like anyone else would do, the first thing I did was go to Google, yep. search entrepreneurship. Google search, and, man. Yeah. And then I started uh, searching for ways to create a new business. Mm. And I found this, um, inst- I did a mistake. Hmm. That was my first mistake because I started, I Googled, how do I get started with entrepreneurship? Sure. And then they were giving me different uh, ways to do it. But mm. I really missed the point because an entrepreneur was, existed to solve a particular problem. Yeah. Instead of looking into problems, I looked into mm. businesses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I 100%. Was, so I already um, looked into businesses that were established mm. and I tried to do something different with it. And then I created this on-demand insurance. I had this idea, the spark mm-hmm. of on-demand insurance where you can insure your gadget or your um, valuables, like okay. for example, your diamond jewelry or whatever. Okay. On that instant, like you can turn on and turn off the insurance. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so that was just my initial thought and idea. And I started looking into ways where I can create synergies, form relationship between uh, relationships with mentors who are in that industry. Mm-hmm. And the first place I looked into, because I only know UWM, like University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Yeah. And trust me, it's a great place to be right now because <laughs> of the entrepreneurship, it's booming here, yeah. especially in Milwaukee and yeah. UWM is at the center of everything. They have recently constructed entrepreneurship center. You guys should definitely check it out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I came to, cause I was trying to create a product, create a software. Mm-hmm. So I was looking, I was looking at different clubs okay. who were specialized in doing that. I don't know how I got this idea. It just did. And I'm glad it did. So, so I found this prototyping club, which I got an email like two days ago, mm-hmm. which felt like it's relevant because it's trying to encourage students to create new products, try new things. Mm. And I felt like that's a place to be if I want to find some talent. Yeah. Because we want to bootstrap 
as much as we can in the early stages. Oh, 100%. So I went to the meeting and I was very fortunate again because I met this wonderful person who co-founded the prototyping club. He was responsible for that club. Wow. And he was doing his PhD and he's a mechanical engineer and he already has a business. He's an entrepreneur. Dang. So I asked him like, so I started telling him my story. I just told him I'm trying to be an entrepreneur and I'd really appreciate his help if he would um, connect me with people who have the talent. Yeah. And he, I didn't know that he was uh, an entrepreneur. And then after I told this to him, he actually pulled me out after the club meeting ended. Mm-hmm. And he told that I'm an entrepreneur and you can ask me for anything. And that's when wow. I called my first mentor and his name was Alex. His name is Alex Francis. And he started a consulting business. So that's, that was my first starting point. And that's where I looked into for resources. And he was telling me about all these cool things that were happening in UWM, like Student Startup Challenge and the Research Foundation having money to patent your business and everything. Wow. And when I first got into my first official meeting, I had this meeting with Mr. Craig Davidson. He was... He's still my mentor, but we don't meet as regularly as we did before when I was working on that. So that was my first mentor meeting and I was shivering. I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing because I had nothing in my mind. I only know that I have an idea. I don't know anything about business. I don't know any basics. Yeah. I don't know what's a customer. I don't know how do you run a customer uh, discovery process? How do you understand their pains? I don't know what is a value proposition. Oh, how'd you meet this guy? Uh, I think Alex connected me with... Uh, okay one of the advisors from business school and she introduced me to Craig who is a seasoned entrepreneur. He's from Princeton. I think, I wow. think he's from Princeton. And, and he just agreed to sit down with you for like an hour. He, he wanted to help students who hmm. are getting into entrepreneurship. Like I told you, UWM is trying to encourage students sure. to do more entrepreneurial stuff. So uh, he just gave me, he didn't give me an hour. He gave me half an hour. Okay. And my first meeting and I was shivering. <laughs> I had no idea what I'm going to talk about. And he's posing me with questions. Like he's asking me questions on and on and on, which I had no answer to. <laughs> I was just sitting there. I'm like, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the smile and nod. Yep. Yep. And uh, he's like, Pavan, you need to know a lot. I'll help you. And wow. then he asked, he asked me one question, how are you going to deal with adverse selection with this model? Mm. Yeah. So for viewers who do not know what adverse selection is, that it's about uh, when you're in a dangerous locality or an area, yeah. the users are more inclined to turn it on and there's more risk. Exactly. Because the user has more information than the insurance company. If they know that like, I don't know, a natural disaster is about to hit, they might want to insure their stuff. Whereas if that's not the case, they might not want to have it insured. Is that sort of what you're getting at? Yeah, it's kind of like that. So I, I kind of had no answer because that was my first challenge. Yeah. And I thought I had no competitors. It's revolutionary. It's disruptive. Pardon me. I don't want to use that word disruptive at all now <laughs> because disruption is, I feel like it's overused. Mm. So, um, so I was like, okay, I'm very optimistic. The first quality you need to have as an entrepreneur is to be optimistic. Sure. That's the only thing you can do. You can <laughs> believe in your idea, do whatever, but 
for you to move forward, you have to believe in it. You have to be optimistic. Mm. And that's when I started working on insurance. That's my first business. Mm-hmm. And then slowly I shifted towards financial. That's, that's just my first entrepreneurial. That's how I got started. That's what, that was my first idea as an entrepreneur. Hmm. And that's it. All right. <laughs> so one thing that I'm pretty interested in is the fact that you don't actively have like a, a social media presence anywhere because pretty much all the people I have on the show are entrepreneurs, but then also social media entrepreneurs. And they're also working on building up a personal brand or right. really just like putting equity into themselves. So I'm curious as to your decision not to do that at this point, why, why haven't you decided to sort of build sort of like a brand around yourself? Actually, I thought about doing it a lot of times. Okay. Um, I wanted to create a brand for myself. I wanted to be on the social media yeah. a lot of times, but then the scale, the current scale I'm working with, because um, we're trying to synergize three different industries together so i really don't have time for myself (laughs) at this point because i'm taking care of my team who are trying to move forward with this idea i'm trying to you know it's really about having that time to invest in that brand Mm. if i did have an extra extra hour i would definitely do that it's not just i didn't want to do it it's just that I didn't have the time to do it. So. Yeah, it's about those priorities. And like, you know, yeah. what you want to be focused on right now, which is what I want to dive into is your current business venture. So this is what you presented at the uh, competition that we were both at. So I, I got a little bit of an intro on this, but could you fill our listeners in on your current project and what you guys are currently working on um, over at FIG? Definitely. So we, so when I was at Northwestern Mutual, I brought together a certain individuals together. Okay to work on this business called FIG, which stands for Food Initiative and Goals. So we wanted to connect users with dietitians to create a specific eating routine and deliver that to their doorstep. Huh. All right, let's break that down a little bit. So you're connecting um, people with dietitians. So ordinarily, that's a pretty expensive deal, right? Like I know um, for a little while I was working with a dietitian, had some issues going on. Um, but yeah, that wasn't cheap. So, uh, are you guys, are you guys like, what, what, what's the main issue that you guys are combating with this basically? So, um, we looked at people trying to reach their goals and then the first thing they do is Google it. They spend hours Googling and they try different things and in the end they don't see the results. Yeah, exactly. Um, the problem we're really trying to solve is that we want people to see the results. We want them to really focus on, uh, having that, you know, credibility having that what what is the correct word for it um accountability accountability to do stuff yeah thank you yeah um so we felt like uh when we talked with people who worked with dietitians they did see some kind of changes in their body because you know it's more knowledge a dietitian is more credible than just googling a lot of stuff and trying to do different things yeah and if you have someone you're working with then you're, you're going to want to stick with it because if you are maybe paying this person or if they're they're like working with you one-on-one you're going to be a lot more you're going to want to stick with that a lot more definitely so um so that's the intention behind it and we we knew it was going to be an expensive deal yeah you want to sit with a dietitian one-on-one do all kinds of tests and everything see that's my, that's our learning phase because we just assumed it's not going to be that expensive because we wanted it to be a more of a passive income for a dietitian because yeah. now dietitian, when you look at why is it expensive when you go to a dietitian, mm-hmm. he has his own clinic. He needs to pay the lease for it. 
right? And then he has to do different kinds of tests and he, a user has to travel all the way to his place mm-hmm. and he has specific hours where he is to work yeah. and there's no flexibility in working with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we felt like if we could remove all that, because he needs to do his own marketing, he, the dietitian needs to do marketing, the dietitian mm-hmm. needs to do his own financial stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's doing a lot of things that's adding to the cost to the user. Yeah. So we felt like, what if we can re- just remove all this by connecting him virtually? Mm-hmm. Now he can work at his convenience, mm-hmm. right? And then the most of the users that are really uh, trying to achieve these goals are not really looking into taking all these kinds of different tests. Yeah. They, they just want general questions to be answered. They just want this one routine mm-hmm. which fits them. So we felt like maybe three questions per user per month would drive the cost really down because it's just going to be some kind of passive income to huh. the dietitian. So by three questions, you mean they're limited to asking the dietitian only three things? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the initial consultation is going to be a much longer than the further um, relationship with the dietitian. So that's yeah. where we felt like we can reduce the cost because now the dietitian can work on Saturday, Sunday, in his whenever he's whenever it's convenient yeah and he doesn't have to market his services because we will do that for them because mm-hmm. big has users that wants to go to mark um to a dietitian for some kinds of eating routine mm-hmm. so that was the assumption so we felt like we can drive down the costs but um as we progressed started doing our customer discovery we felt like that's not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> so um <clears throat> so um i think we did find it was going to happen, pardon me, but the only thing is the other side of our business model where we were delivering ingredients, packaging everything and to the doorstep of the user. Oh, felt like, that's, yeah. there's, there's another side of it. I, I assume, okay, continue, yeah. sorry. <laughs> so it's connecting the dietitian, okay. creating a routine and mm-hmm. delivering that routine mm-hmm. to their doorstep. Okay. That's what we wanted to do. Okay. But um, the other side of the business required a big supply chain. Yeah. Which is very expensive. And then at the same time, we have to acquire customers, which is also an expensive deal for a startup. So um, as we did a lot of research, we knew that consumers are moving around. The challenge is when they're traveling, they're doing something different. They don't have the flexibility to continue with the plan. Yeah. So when we were drawing the revenue model for this, we Mm -hmm. felt like handling the supply chain and marketing at the same time is going to be a huge yeah and we don't yet have those connections yet Mm -hmm. so for our mvp really we couldn't mvp stands for the minimum viable product perfect so we didn't have anything that can be done easily to go to the market everything Mm -hmm. required a lot of investment yeah so how do we bootstrap this? Because if we go early to the investors, you're in a disadvantage. Yep. You don't have a product. You have to yep. raise a lot of money. And you lose a lot of equity. Yep. Which is one thing one of my mentors always said to me is to, you know, you always make sure that you have the majority <laughs> wherever. <laughs> but um, so we felt like it's a very expensive uh, deal. Yeah. After doing a lot of consumer research, now we pivoted 
now we wanted to make ourselves just solely a technology company hmm. after doing all this customer discovery i think we interviewed more than 35 people face to face wow um we interviewed 70 people online dang so we got more than 100 yeah interviews we've done both primary and secondary research and we were also looking at the market reports for the meal kit services which was growing it is not a stagnant industry market i believe it yeah it is still growing but then there are so many players we have so much competition and there's just so so many moving parts like to to get that food from a i don't even know where like a like i don't even know like a wholesaling food place you got to transport that in like a refrigerated some kind of something uh that just seems like a lot of moving pieces in that supply chain right and yeah, that's exactly why we felt like if we have to be efficient in managing this supply chain, we have to form it vertically. Yeah. That requires us to start from scratch, remove all the middle players oh, who God. are in between. So I felt like we didn't have the expertise at this no. point. Even though we had the expertise, we didn't have the connections and relationships yeah. to get it done. 100%. So, and then it's, it's also the matter about how fast can we go to the market? Mm. If we are doing all this, how long is it going to take us to get enough? And how much expertise do we require to do this? Mm. And it's all weighing that decision. And then we felt like we're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our first pivot. All right. So now you're a technology company. Yes. So all we do is connect retail, healthcare, and wellness together. Hmm. We play as middlemen. And we are a platform to connect people with their proactive lifestyle. And then we still do have some aspect of dietitian solely related to that questions about how much do they, what do they want to achieve and what is the problem? Like mm-hmm. Just small medium questions that doesn't really drive up the cost for the user. Hmm. And a dietitian can analyze reports from 23andMe or because right, right now we are targeting that consumer, the consumer who, is, who has done the 23andMe test, mm-hmm. who knows his DNA, because it makes it easy for the dietitian to recommend food hmm. for someone who has done that test. Because for, for us to do that test, and it's another whole, it's a different story, because now we're <laughs> getting into healthcare, which we don't want to do. We want to concentrate on just those three basic things, like where do I want to be and where am I right now? Hmm. So after a diet, so we still connect people with dietitians. Okay. After we create that plan, our algorithm is connected to one of the retail supermarkets, like Metro Market, Pick and Save, mm-hmm. and then it runs through the inventory of Metro Market and suggests if you want 50 grams of protein, it suggests. Huh. We have beef. Metro Market has beef. Metro Market has chicken. It's your choice, but it it meets the requirements. Now you can just put that in your card and Metro Market has the supply chain. We don't have to worry about that supply chain. Yeah. And now we know what he's eating, what he's going to eat, hmm. and how, how proactive the user is, which is going to help us allocate them with some FIG score, which is a determinant of how healthy the person is, mm. and help them drive their healthcare costs low. I like that gamification. Got to so, have that FIG score. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, we're students. We love games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. People love that stuff. So, yeah. Um, 
we're really connecting these three industries together and creating value in three different aspects of user's life. Hmm. That's very interesting. And that's, I, I like how you hit on that, that, that there was a pretty significant pivot because a lot of times you'll have this like grandiose idea of, of like what you're going to do and, and what your business is going to look like. But once you actually start getting in the nitty gritty, interviewing customers, like looking at the supply chain, uh, you start to figure out like, okay, this part doesn't make sense. We could focus more on this. And really like starting a business is such an iterative process and you really do have to go through so many different phases to get to the place where you're actually going to end up. And if you go into it with like one fixed idea of what you think you're going to create, most of the time it's, it's, it's going to pivot and you're going to have to make changes. So I think just being open to, to adaptations is really essential. And can you talk a little bit about that process of figuring out that that first iteration wasn't going to work and like what you sort of had to do in order to make that pivot? Right. Um, for any entrepreneur who's trying to be an entrepreneur, who yeah. is an entrepreneur, he knows that the most important piece in a business or in entrepreneurship is the consumer. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what is his problem? Are we solving it efficiently? So when we did our primary research, we knew the consumers had this problem, but they're, how big of a pain is it in his life right now? Yeah. So we started ranking them, like what are his biggest pains? Hmm. And who is really this customer? Okay. How old is he? Where does he live? How yeah. does he go to work? Um, does he drive? What does he eat? And when does he eat? Where does he eat? So it's about, you need to be able to draw that life's, uh, his day yeah. down to understand really what the customer's problem is and help them in solving that problem. Mm. So... The process is really the primary research we've done. We spoke to a lot of people and then we looked at our business model. We unpacked the interviews. We took some time to get together and looked at the interviews that we've done. And we started analyzing. We put intuition coupled with our research. Mm -hmm. Everything is an assumption. Nothing you think is true. That's how Mm -hmm. you should always be. You're not always right. 100%. So... That's the mindset we had. We had that mindset since the beginning. We knew we're not 100% correct. We just assumed this was correct. We tested it. We unpacked it. We put together and we unpacked the interviews, tried to understand what the consumer really wants and looked at our revenue model, business model. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, you can provide best value proposition to the consumer, but if your costs are more than your revenue, if your cost is more than your revenue, that's not a business. Yeah. Like you're going to fail. 100%. How much, <laughs> how much money are you going to raise without yeah. being a profitable business? So we really looked at that left side of business model canvas, which is all cost structure, key partnerships and revenue model. Mm-hmm. And we felt like the value prop we are providing is too expensive to the consumer. Mm. And how much are we going to like, how much, how are we going to acquire the, the formula to be successful is your customer acquisition cost should always be less than your lifetime value from that consumer. hundred percent entrepreneurship one-on-one right there, guys. Right. So um, we felt like the customer acquisition costs coupled with our operational costs is tremendous. Like it's yeah. huge. And we didn't want to do that. We, we just, we want to be a profitable business. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's where I think we felt like, oh, 
instead of doing this, now we can create a new revenue model by connecting already existing huge supermarket chains who have an existing supply chain. Yeah. Who who have everything we want, we want to form from the beginning. Yep. So we felt like, okay, that's a new revenue model to us. This is mm. much more efficient, less expensive, serves the purpose. Exactly. And you don't need to make all those connections yourself. Right. So I think that's the process of pivoting. Really, it's just research and getting together as a team and analyzing case. It's, mm. it's innovating together. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally, totally with you on that, man. Well, yep. you've been dropping a ton of value on our listeners. We're going to hop into some of our outro questions uh, before we do. Pavan, you feeling ready for it? Yep, I'm done. All right, awesome. The first thing I want to ask you, this is something that I ask all of my guests, is what are you excited about right now? So this can be something in your business, could be something in the wider realm of the world, but like, what's something in your life that you're like genuinely excited about right now? I'm actually panicking right now because <laughs> I'm graduating school in December. Oh, wow. But, um, so am I. Time, oh, congratulations, dude. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, so we're in a phase in our business where we have, we're making huge progress and everything is going so fast. We just added two new employees to wow. our business. And then now we're a team of eight. Jeez. So growing. We're trying to bootstrap and I'm leading the team, but it's, I'm, when I said panicking, I'm actually equally excited for all these things. I just want to see where I'm going to be after this year. Yeah. After two years, I'm really excited for Fig. I'm really excited to form that relationship. I re- I'm really excited to create that value to our end user. In the end, customer is God. And that's because I find my excitement in just business process. I'm just addicted to business. I'm just addicted <laughs> to entrepreneurship. I can but, tell, man. It comes through. Yep. I love it. Once you're, once you're in it and you're enjoying it, you can't go back. And 100%. I'm very passionate on that aspect. So. Mm. that's where my excitement lies 100 percent, 100 percent. do you have any habits that you that have served you pretty well it could be in business or just in your life anything that you do on a routine basis oh definitely i first thing is i sleep for seven hours mm, that's and like a is, must you don't compromise on that no compromise <laughs> and my body is pretty good on that aspect because if i go to bed at 10 i wake up at five if i go to bed at nine i wake up at four okay that's seven hours and i automatically get up hmm. i don't even need an alarm to get up wow. that's one thing uh, i think i'm used to it because my dad raised me like that he used hmm. to wake we used to go to bed at 10 and no matter what you you have to wake up at five and the second thing that's really served me well is that i've written down my core values hmm. as a person what are my values which helped me in making decisions a snap yeah so now I don't have to put in more brain power to make any decision because I know what my values are. And if there's a challenge, I just look for the values in that scenarios and whatever has, whatever is more relatable to my personal core values. That's the decision. That's mm. where I go. And mm. it served me really well because it takes away the confusion all the time. And usually when you're very confused, you're drained, you drain yeah. your mind power and you can't work properly. Hundred percent. That's the ritual. And another thing, when I wake up at five, I make sure I meditate. It. I meditate at least for like ten minutes. Okay. And I'm used to it. And I drink my tea, and I meditate, and I read ten pages, no matter what. 
in the morning. And I'm actually reading this wonderful book called Hyperfocus. It's, it's an amazing <laughs> book by Chris Bailey. You should okay. check that out. Hyperfocus, and, all right. Um, it literally tells you, I mean, it's a book about how do you focus to get more done in less time. Mm. I need that right now. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it, man. It sounds like you're doing a lot. So, well, love the book. Um, I'm reading it and I just started like, uh, three days ago and I have finished half of it already if I like the book I'll just dang tearing I'll through just it. it and another ritual ha I always get my breakfast without breakfast I don't get out of my house really no if I have a class I'm skipping it if I'm not having a breakfast, <laughs> I have no breakfast. that's that's just a must for you that's a must I cannot like I cannot do anything without my breakfast tea meditation huh. and sleep do you have like a standard breakfast that you eat every day or is it pretty different? It is standard. Uh, the only thing is I make sure I have protein. I just shift around what protein I'm eating in the morning. But uh, I eat protein, fruits, and some dry fruits. Hmm. Nuts and right. stuff. Solid. Solid, yeah. yeah. Breakfast is definitely a must for me as well. Um, yeah, yeah can't, can't function without it. <laughs> right. So you mentioned, you mentioned Hyperfocus as a book that you're reading right now. Is there any yep. other content that you're consuming? This could be podcasts, YouTube videos, uh, blog articles, books. Like what, what kind of content are you, are you taking in right now? I'm a regular reader of Wall Street Journal. Mm, okay. I read that. And podcasts, I, read, I usually listen. I, read, I listen to one podcast a week. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Okay. But I listen to Harvard Business Review. Hmm. And then I started listening to your podcast recently because, <laughs> you know, because I wanted to know what kind of content you're creating and how can I aid in that. I appreciate so that. I, I just love your content and congratulations for that. And thank you for the content because I think it's very valuable to a lot of people. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you saying that. And I do put, I put all my blood, sweat and tears into this podcast. So I'm glad, I'm glad it shows through and I'm glad people are consuming it. When did you start on the, on the Wall Street Journal? When did you make that a habit? I think it's two years ago. I started with Fortune magazine. Okay. Because, you know, when I got, when I first got into entrepreneurship, I just wanted to consume information, learn as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that came to me in its business is time and fortune. I just subscribed to Fortune and then that led me to subscribe to Wall Street Journal. Hmm. Yeah. What, what, what's like the, what's the value you get out of reading uh, Wall Street Journal? I think it's more about <clears throat> staying up to date with the current events, with okay. business. And also, I'm, I'm very interested in stock markets. Okay. I like investing. And <laughs> when you get Wall Street Journal, particularly every Saturday, they get the special edition called The Exchange. Hmm. And it has everything about the future technology, the trends, the market, where is it going? And there's this other special edition in Wall Street Journal that's called The Future of Everything, hmm. which is also very valuable to me to stay up to date and to innovate because no it's about if you read the book hyperfocus it it tells you <laughs> how how you are creative it's about what kind of information you consume hmm. your mind actually connects these dots based on the information you consume hmm. and that's where you get your ideas from so hmm. i think um staying up to date with these uh current events and the future technologies is helping me grow as an entrepreneur mm, 100%. In a 
100 percent and yeah just making sure you're on top of the latest trends is not something that i personally do but um if you're in a place where you are trying to innovate and really are trying to be like growing growing in an emerging industry i think it is really important to, to be staying on top of that type of thing so right totally makes sense uh pavan last thing i just want to ask you man is where can people go to find out more about you more about fig what you're up to follow up with you if they are interested in a student that is doing massive massive things at the age of 20 where should we direct our listeners to hit you up and uh, find out more about fig the first thing i would say is my linkedin i'm very right. active on linkedin i'm All right. very professional on that aspect because of my mentors and you can actually follow us on vrfig.com. We have a dot com and you can leave us your details. If you have any questions, feel free to message me on LinkedIn. Uh, I can give you, should I give you my LinkedIn? Um, I'll put it in the show notes so our listeners will be able to go down there to find uh, the, the book Hyperfocus and uh, really everything that we mentioned in the show, we will have linked up in the show notes. So again, that'll be your LinkedIn, wearefig.com, all that good stuff. We will have it down there. And if you want to connect with other designers, my team members, they're all very talented. I'm just going to leave that with you. <laughs> all uh, right. I'll be sure to link them up as well. Um, and if you want to reach out, LinkedIn is the way to do it. All right. Perfect. Well, Pavan, thank you again so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking with another student, another 20-year-old that is doing amazing, amazing things. Do you have any last words of wisdom or just final closing thoughts for our listeners today? Definitely. I think... It's a lot of people have already told you about passion. I don't even have to tell you about passion. <laughs> the only thing I would say is if you're trying to do something, stick with it. Don't give up. Mm. The first thing, um, when I first started my first insurance business, the first mistake I've done is giving up on it. Mm. So, 100%. and I still regret that. If you like, if you're trying to do something, stick with it. You won't see results right away. You'll see results as you progress and you'll see that you're learning when you're failing. So don't be afraid of failure. Stick with it. Mm. Passion, perseverance, and progress, guys. That's what you got to have. All right, Pavan, thank you again so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you spending it here on Young Smart Money today, man. Take thank care. Thank you very much, Apple. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Young Smart Money. If you want to support the show, you can do so in three different ways. You can subscribe, you can leave me five, and you can share this episode with a friend. To subscribe, all you got to do is click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. To leave me five, all you got to do is scroll all the way down to the bottom of the podcast's page for Young Smart Money and click on the write a review button. And to share with a friend, all you got to do is screenshot yourself listening to this episode, post on your Instagram story, tag me, and I'll be sure to repost it in my Instagram story as well. I love giving you guys some attention who are listening to the show. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the next one. Real quick, just launched a new project called the Online Course Examiner, basically the Yelp of online courses. It is blowing up lately, online course examiner.com. Check it out.